morning, I wanted to start by telling you about a time I went on holiday with a friend uh, a few years ago. Now we went to Spain and uh, we both, we were having a chat one day and we just both realised that we massively needed a holiday. And the following week was half term and quite spontaneously, we were just like, well, let's just book it off and go on a holiday. And I'm normally quite a planned person. So this felt like quite a big deal for me. But um, anyway, we, we booked this holiday. We got a lovely Airbnb really close to the beach in Spain. We got cheap flights and a few days later, off we went. And it was, it was a really lovely holiday. We had a fantastic time, although I did manage to burn my entire back on the first day and it was very painful. Make sure to always reapply sun cream. Um, but it was, we did have a fantastic time, although I still do feel a little bit guilty about that holiday because uh, it was quite clear that I really needed some time off because my friends, you know, every day she would be up, she'd be ready and raring to go off to see the sights and I would be asleep in my bedroom until about midday. I spent most of this holiday with her catching up on sleep and as you can tell, I still feel really horrendous about that. So if she's here today, I'm still very sorry about that. Um, But to be honest, I was just really, really exhausted. And I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that. You know, maybe you are here today or you're tuning in and that's actually exactly how you're feeling right now. And, you know, recently I listened to a podcast conversation between uh, social psychologists Brené Brown and Amy Cuddy on uh, this idea of pandemic flux syndrome. And though hopefully many of these things are behind us by now, what they have seen is that the impact of things like learning how to do our jobs or our degrees online or homeschooling kids or having to deal with the constant back and forth of lockdowns and the difficulty and uncertainty of the pandemic has left many of us coming out the other side feeling quite exhausted and in a place of heightened anxiety and unease. I don't know, maybe that resonates with you. But whatever impact the pandemic has had on us as individuals, the reality is we already live in a world that is full of busyness, where there is constantly stuff that is vying for our attention. And this sense of exhaustion and anxiousness maybe doesn't actually feel that new to many of us. But what I want us to think about this morning is that the Bible teaches us that there is another way to live. Instead of living in this place of always feeling in need of a rest, there is a way of living out of a place of rest. It teaches that in Jesus, we can find true rest, not the physical kind that you get from going on a holiday, but the kind that revives us from the inside out. Rest for our souls that goes beyond every circumstance. So we're going to focus on a particular chapter in the Bible today. We're going to be reading through Psalm 23, which may be a psalm that you know. If you don't think that you know it as we read through it, you may well recognise it. But it's a psalm that was written by King David. Now, David, he was no uh, stranger to challenging circumstances. You know, he faced up to the giant Goliath and and maybe many of us know that story. 
but also he experienced things like multiple people wanting to kill him. His best friend was murdered. His own son tried to usurp him and take the throne for himself, among many other things. You know, David's life was a little bit like an ancient soap opera. He had a lot of stuff going on and he knew what it was like to experience difficult times. But in the midst of all of those things is when he wrote many of these psalms, songs of worship and praise to God. So we're going to read together, we're going to read Psalm 23, and we're going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to dive into it. So it says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sorry, just struggling to get my pages across. So David, he writes that the shepherd restores my soul. You know, God, he wants to restore our souls. He wants to bring us peace and rest in amongst the chaos of life. And you know, that, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? That sounds really good. But what does that even look like? Because I don't know about any of you, but there are definitely times where stuff in my life and my soul feels very far from restful. When everything inside of me feels restless and uneasy. You know, how can we experience this rest for our souls that David is writing about? Well, firstly, you know, David, he starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, if God is our shepherd, if he is our guide and our leader, then we don't need to want for anything. You know, I think that it is a pretty good skill to be a shepherd whose sheep follow them. Now, I don't know, has anybody here seen Clarkson's Farm? Anybody? Okay, a few people scattered around. We loved it. I mean, it sounds like a strange concept, Jeremy Clarkson on a farm, but it's a good time, I promise you. And we loved it. We binge watched it in about two days. Um, but I wanted to, hopefully, we'll be able to watch a clip of what happens when Jeremy decided that it would be a good idea to shepherd his sheep using a drone. A few days later, having eaten everything in their new field, the sheeps needed to be moved again. And this time I discovered that sheep are not only the most sickly animals in the world, they're also the most disobedient. They're just ignoring it now, look. Look at the look right above you. Dog! Arr, fierce dog. And then, for no reason I could fathom... No! Don't do that! Oh! Uh, die! 
The honeymoon was clearly over. No, this way. Come on. Oi, you're going the wrong way again now. It's like they could sense I was a new boy. Oh, no. No, they're going back. They're just... And they were going to make the most of it. Travis, please stop. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, it's very evident that Jeremy Clarkson is a shepherd that does not know how to lead his sheep. Evidenced by the fact that, spoiler alert, if you are going to go watch it, he ends up hiring a professional shepherd, which I think is advisable based on that clip. Uh, But this shepherd that David is referring to, you know, he knows exactly how to lead his sheep. He knows when they need water to drink. He knows when they're tired and in need of a lie down. Notice it says he makes them lie down. You know, he doesn't invite or encourage. This is an instruction. You know, I I think it's a little bit like if you're dealing with an overtired toddler who's being sent off for a nap. You know, he knows what his sheep need, maybe even before they realise it. And, you know, Jesus, he is the good shepherd. And in Matthew 11, he says this, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, when we come to him feeling weary or burdened, we can find rest. But strangely, at the same time, Jesus also talks about us taking on his yoke. Now, a yoke is a wooden beam that would be attached to animals like cattle in order to allow them to pull along something like a plough or a heavy load. So if Jesus is supposed to be giving us rest, then why is he talking about giving us a yoke? Well, theologian Frederick Dale Bruner, he puts it this way. When Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need the least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realises that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. You know, I wonder what carrying life has felt like for you over the last little while. Maybe you've had extra family responsibilities to deal with. Maybe you've been made redundant and there's been a financial burden. Maybe life has just felt hard. You know, this, uh, this year, my parents, they, uh, they decided to move cities in the middle of the pandemic. So they moved from Newcastle, which is where I'm from, all the way down to Birmingham. And to be honest, at times, it was pretty chaotic, as you can imagine. You know, my dad, he started a new job in Birmingham in January, but they weren't able to sell their house in Newcastle until May. So for five months, when he needed to get to work, he had to travel 200 miles to get there. And then once they finally sold their house, it took another five months for them to get the keys to their new house. All the while, my dad had to stay in Derby with family and commute from there and my mum's a teacher so she had to stay in Newcastle with some friends so that she could also get to work and on top of that all of this stuff was happening with uh, with the background of having experienced multiple family bereavements over the last year but you know when I would call my mum up to chat and just you know how are you doing 
the one thing that she would always say to me was, Amy, God is in control. You know, my mum, she loves Jesus so much and she's had her fair share of challenging circumstances in the past. But because of that relationship that she's built up with him over many years, she's able to have the confidence that in every circumstance, he is in control and she can rest in him. You know, life, it comes with all kinds of ups and downs. But what the Bible tells us is that we have a shepherd who is willing to help us carry these things and in such a way that we can live more freely without feeling the weight of them. So that's how David starts. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then later on in verse four, he goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, David here, he's speaking in a metaphor, but he really did know what it was like to go through the valley, to experience real life or death situations. And yet he's talking about having no fear. You know, recently, as I was reflecting on this passage, it reminded me of something in Martin Luther King's book, Stride Toward Freedom. The focus of the book is surrounding the the Montgomery bus boycott that happened in 1955 and 56. And that was a campaign that started when Rosa Parks, an African-American woman, was arrested for refusing to give up her seat on a bus to a white person under segregation laws at the time. And he recalled that as the protest went on, the death threats started rolling in to a point at which he was receiving 40 calls a day. And it reached a point one night where Dr. King received a call which said, leave Montgomery immediately if you have no wish to die. Hanging up the phone, this in the words of Dr. King is what happened next. I was ready to give up. In this state of exhaustion, when my courage had all but gone, I decided to take my problem to God. With my head in my hands, I bowed over the kitchen table and prayed aloud, I am afraid. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. At that moment, I experienced the presence of the divine as I had never experienced God before. It seemed as though I could hear the quiet assurance of an inner voice saying, stand up for justice, stand up for truth, and God will be at your side forever. Almost at once, my fears began to go. My uncertainty disappeared. I was ready to face anything. You know, it must literally have felt like he was walking through the valley of the shadow of death but through the quiet assurance of that inner voice saying, God will be at your side forever, the fear that had caused him to almost walk away, all of a sudden just disappeared. You know, that experience, it didn't bring an end to the evil that Martin Luther King was facing. You know, three days later, a bomb went off at his home and his family only narrowly escaped. But that moment alone with God in which Dr. King was able to bring his fears before him. It gave him the strength to face what had happened and to carry on. You know, the shepherd's presence, it didn't eliminate the evil, although I'm sure that it could have done. But what it did do is it eliminated the fear. You know, this psalm, it doesn't promise us that we won't still have to go through the valley, but we are offered a shepherd who is willing to walk through it with us. 
And so finally, David, he finishes off this psalm by saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You know, I imagine most of us probably don't know what it's like to be in a battle, but David, he definitely did. You know, he would have known that a soldier surrounded by his enemies wouldn't have the security or even the time to stop for a full meal. But with this good shepherd in charge, even though there was danger surrounding him, he could rest in the knowledge that his shepherd was protecting him and providing for his needs so that he could face anything that would come up against him. You know, a few months ago, we went to a Michelin star restaurant. Now I know what you're thinking. We seem like the kind that regularly dine out at Michelin star restaurants. Sadly, not. Um, but it was a gift that was given to us from some friends for our wedding, which was very kind. And um, yeah, look at that. It was spectacular. It was amazing. Um, and, you know, I thoroughly believe that that's what we're going to eat like in heaven. It was unbelievable. Um, but it was a 10-course meal. And I know. And I wasn't quite expecting when we sat down at six o'clock that we would still be eating at 11. It was five hours of food. Now, it's probably not that surprising that 10 courses does take a lot of time, even for my husband, Heinz, to eat. Um, you know, it's a leisurely thing. When you sit down for a meal like that, you can't be in a rush. And I think when David talks about the shepherd laying a table before him, I think this is the kind of thing that he's talking about. You know, he isn't describing a quick snack you know, this is a banquet that has been laid out before him in order to sustain him for the fight. He's got to take time to sit down. And, you know, I think for us, if we took the time to sit down with our shepherd, to sit down with Jesus amongst everything going on around us, I think we would start to understand what it looks like, not just to run to God when we need a quick fix, but to let him lead us into a place of rest that keeps us going no matter what's going on. You know, about three or four years ago, uh, I was just in a place where I just, I just hit a wall, a massive wall. You know, we were planning for our wedding and uh, it should have been one of the happiest times of my life. And instead, I found myself struggling with my mental and emotional health. You know, I was experiencing bouts of insomnia, panic attacks, and I was just in a really broken and difficult place. And it got to a point where I knew that I needed help. And so I reached out and got counselling and that was really, really good and helpful. But something I realised in that time was that I needed to change my perspective. You know, I had been looking to the things around me to make me happy or on the flip side for them to be the things that would bring me down. But what I needed was Jesus' perspective, not to look to the circumstances around me, but to look to him. You know, I've, I've grown up in the church. I know this psalm like the back of my hand. But it wasn't until I had to walk through the valley and really live it out that I realised what it truly meant. You know, it's not enough just to know in my mind that God is with me. If I want to experience his rest, I need to know him. I needed to learn to walk hand in hand with him through the valley, but also every single day. 
You know, it doesn't mean that I don't find things hard, to be honest. The reason that I'm speaking on this today is because God is continually teaching me about this. But when I do find myself in that place, I know that I can lean into him and find the rest that I need. So as we finish, what would this look like for us to walk with God and get to know him so that we can experience his rest? You know, I think a good place to start is just regularly spending time with him. You know, for me, I like to take just 30 minutes in the morning to to read my Bible and focus on God as I start my day. A friend of mine who's a doctor, she likes to take retreat days every once in a while and she'll go somewhere for the day or take herself out for coffee just on her own, just her and God, so she can get some quality time in. And then another friend of mine, when he's got a particularly busy day at work, he'll find 10 minutes in between meetings to go for a quick walk and actually recites this passage, Psalm 23, in his mind, just as a helpful way of remembering that God is with him. I think that's a really good one. You know, I wonder what could this look like for you? You know, if we want to experience real rest for our souls, I think we need to learn to abide in him, not just to dip in and out as and when things get hard, but to build up a sustained rhythm of just being with God. You know, how can you be looking to your shepherd in a way that sustains, changes and restores you from the inside out and crucially allows you to live out of a place of rest?